Hey there, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Brooks. Join me as I sit down with co-hosts, friends, and carefully curated guests as we talk about all the things that empower you to become your best, most confident self so you can step boldly into who you were created to be, the confident woman. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. Today we have with us Nicole Hess. Nicole is a self-made millionaire who went from being a broke bartender to a seven-figure CEO in just 13 months. Yes, I will repeat that. Broke bartender to a seven-figure CEO in just 13 months. Nicole has empowered thousands of entrepreneurs in the online world to monetize their skill sets and results. The ripple impact that Nicole has had in the online world is just beginning as her clients have not only made millions of their own, but have their own clients hitting seven figures in their business as well. Nicole has accomplished so much in such a short time as a result of her unique perspective on the world of sales. She stands firmly against traditional pain point tactics and uses her signature strategy of catalyst marketing to attract true unicorn clients. So welcome, Nicole. We got a lot to talk about. <laughs> so excited. Thanks for having me today, Rachel. Uh, happy to uh, happy to share all the broke bartender stories. <laughs> You know, we were just we were just chatting about that before we hit record, and and um, I was just reading over that. And I was like, wait, am I did I read that right? Broke bartender to seven figures, and and so you know we're we're gonna dive into kind of how you got to where you're at today, and kind of those steps to you know, empower any of those women that are listening, like, Ooh, that's me. Or, you know, maybe you're not the broke bartender, but maybe you're just starting out. Maybe it's just your side hustle. And you're just kind of wondering like, what's next? Like, this can't just be it. Like there's more for me and I want that. And so how do we go after creating that life that we absolutely love by being, as you said, you know, without all those salesy tactics and just being who you are? Yeah. I mean, in the bar and I mean, all of the service industry world, right? I think the next step for most people is that they become a realtor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We see, we see a lot, a lot of that. And especially over these past couple of years where the market has been quite nice. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, you don't have to become a realtor to get out of the service industry. There are other ways. Uh, you don't have to stay there. I didn't know that I was going to leave the industry. I mean, I definitely felt like a lifer. I mean, I was, um, it was a great bartender. I, I had a, a really great time with it. I competed in international cocktail competitions. I was the president of the Bartenders Guild. Um, I owe a lot of my skill sets to the service industry. And I was also consulting for um, some companies at the time. So really transferring all of the existing skill sets that I had. It's just that I was using them to bang my head against the wall. Mm, yes. <laughs> I wasn't really using them to help people or to make money because I was working with the wrong people, kind of taking the skill sets that I had and just, you know, round peg, square hole kind of scenario. Um, so it wasn't helping me. It wasn't helping them. And now I kind of have the alignment piece in place, right? Where it's like, I finally got the right skill set in front of the right person at the right time and just had that perfect storm effect to be able to build this up to seven figures so quickly. Wow, that's incredible. And and I'm over here just kind of chuckling along with what you were saying, because it's like, uh, I feel like you just read my mind. Like I had a few conversations earlier today and a, and a few other meetings and episodes and, and two things that just actually three things that you had just mentioned all came up in those conversations. And it was about bringing on the wrong people and utilizing your skill set. And then square peg round hole. This has been something that I have experienced so many times. And so I know that we're going to talk about that, but how important just having those three key components, like recognizing that that wasn't conducive 
to the betterment of where you want to go and realizing that it wasn't you that was, you know, in a sense, being held back. It was just having the wrong people that didn't really push you in that direction of where you needed to be instead of conforming to that square peg if you are, you know, not going to fit that mold. Yeah. I mean, it's challenging to know what's good and what's not, right? Mm-hmm. And especially when you're young. Like I was in my 20s and so I was doing the thing that I knew how to do and I was good at it and I loved it. It's just it wasn't becoming lucrative. It wasn't becoming something where I could like really hang my hat on it and you know, I felt like I was giving up all of my happiness, all of my fulfillment to be able to do this working 90 hours a week. Like I have two kids, you know? And so I wasn't having that fulfillment piece in the bartender land. And I wasn't being positively reinforced for the things that I was doing well. Right. It was just that I, I mean, now I can see it so clearly, right. Is like, I needed to learn all of those lessons so that I could come over here and apply them in a different way. And so I think a lot of times when we're in that space of trial and tribulation, like we don't understand that that is what's necessary. I needed to go through those things so that I would be able to have the skill sets that I have now. So it's leaning in, it's leaning into the things that are challenging. It's leaning into that feeling of round peg square hole and like being in that space of, of growth. The strife helps us in so many different ways. It's just that we have to be able to have the vision and the hope and the belief that someday <laughs> all of this will pay off. I mean, for me, it, it certainly did. And I really helped my clients to be able to see that is to look back at those things that they thought were like the worst things in the world and to show them that actually those are the things, those things that were terrible were the things that are now wonderful on the other side of the equation. Right. And, and we can get caught up in that, the middle part, right? And so we, we're trying to push through yeah. and, and we don't realize like, oh my gosh, the strife, the struggle ugh, sucks. And we just want to like pull back and retreat or, or, you know, whether say quietly cancel or quitting or something like that. And so feeling like it's, it's stepping out of, of the vision that you wanted to build or, you know, on that path, but feeling derailed and you've kind of just been taken off off course. And so I, I love that you had mentioned, you know, positive reinforcement, because I think this is so crucial in being in the service industry and also in that leadership development. So I know that you, you help your clients. So you're a leader in that realm, you're a leader in this space and having that insight and awareness has allowed you to recognize like what wasn't working for you, what you needed to, to really pull back or speed up on and start building that. And so, um, you know, having these skill sets or that experience can get us so far, but also the biggest thing that I think I heard you hear is looking for the lessons in that messy middle that, you know, we can throw up our hands and be like, oh my gosh, this is hard. Or we can keep going and have that perseverance and the determination to pursue that vision, regardless of, of who or what is in the way and recognizing that, okay, those may be the wrong individuals, or maybe I don't have that skill set yet, or, you know, there's so many different facets of it. And so I'm curious to know, like some of those uh, steps and, you know, some of the, let's kind of peel back a little bit, like, how did you recognize that and then start changing the, the surroundings or, or the individuals that were leading you to where you needed to be, or not even individuals, but in general, how did you get to where you needed to be in a way that felt most aligned with who you are? 
You know, looking back, I'm so thankful for my past self, for that person being able to stick it out, right? Um, I went through a lot of really sticky situations. Um, I ended up getting fired from two jobs. Um, in the same month, I got fired from two of the bars that I was running. Ironically enough, I had, I had quit drinking. I had quit drinking and in bartender land, you drink a lot and not drinking was definitely the anomaly and not very socially acceptable. Um, but I was not drinking. And when I decided to stop drinking, I had made the promise to myself that I was going to stop for a year and everything in my life got so much worse, right? Like uh, I had no coping skills. I had no emotional coping skills at all because my entire life I had leaned on the alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so getting back into that state of being really raw, I mean, they always tell you, you know, you, you'll find out who your friends are. And like, that's definitely what happened is my perspective just changed. I was able to see things so differently because I made such a core shift in my identity that I could see things differently. Um, and they saw me differently. Right. So once I became someone who wasn't drinking every day, I became someone who had a lot of clarity. And after I learned some coping skills for the emotions, um, I was a force. I was a force to be reckoned with. And people did not like that. Right. It was not okay because I did not go along to get along. I would not put up with the things that I previously put up with. I raised that standard inside of me. And so I was no longer an energetic match um, for basically, I mean, just the abuse that I was putting myself through by working for these places for far less than I was worth, um, putting up with the sexual harassment, um, you know, putting up with the disrespect. Right. And so when I stopped allowing that things changed mm. and not only that I changed things, but life changed things. Right. I got fired from those two jobs. Um, I had kicked all of my like boyfriend episodes to the curb and I was like, I'm not dealing with dudes at all. <laughs> Right. Um, it's hard to date sober. Your your standards are impossibly high. <laughs> and so it really changed the way that I think I was thinking and feeling about myself through this process. So the, the things that I would tolerate went away. And so it's like, yeah. I can't tolerate this anymore. So my focus got more and more narrow because I was unwilling to put up with so many different things. My last consulting contract for the bars, I fired her three months before the end of it because I was just not willing um, to continue to work with somebody who was just so horrendous. I was just not, I was not willing to put up with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't, and I quit without having any plan for a revenue stream. Um, and that's where I found all of this, right. Was kind of in the void of emptiness mm -hmm. in order to change. You must be willing to let go of who you used to be and letting go of our old identity is easier said than done. Oh yeah. You're, you're speaking so much to me right now. I literally am in this for the vulnerability shares here, the real talk. I'm literally in the midst of that season as we speak. And so much of what you had just said, because I think we, we, as we evolve, there's parts of us that are kind of holding on to the person that got us to where we are. Cause we feel like there's this allegiance or this loyalty of like, yeah, but you are this version and you got me here. So let's take pieces, you know, let's go hang on to it. But yet, the version of you that you want to become, it needs to be leveled up. As you said, like you need to upgrade all these different processes in your thinking, your belief, your identity, and knowing your value and your worth. Number one, first and foremost, because I mean, you find yourself in those toxic relationships or uh, work environments. And, and, you know, when you're, when you don't really have that value of worth, um, we kind of, we're susceptible to it. And, and we keep, find ourselves in some of those same patterns where our dignity and worth do not 
deserve that level of disrespect. And so when we connect the two, it's just kind of like we shut everything out, shut everyone out, shut everything down. And so that having that aspect allows you to quiet out all that noise that's distracting, all the stuff that's disempowering and allow you to go inside, as you said, kind of the, just that letting go and in that, that vast, like that, that empty space. And so in that empty space is where the magic happens. So let's talk about the magic. What all happened in this downtime for you? I mean, it's letting go, right? And being willing to surrender to the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have it. We all have the fear of the unknown. It's in fact what keeps us alive, right? We're we're all at a biological level afraid of death and death represents the unknown. Um, so being in that void, in that space, it feels like dying. And letting go of everything that you used to know, the the people, right? Your friends are no longer your friends. Um, When you go from, you know, being a bartender to being a a multimillionaire, like that is a very interesting journey when it comes to people, right? Your friends, your family, um, your colleagues, your old bosses, (laughs) they view you very differently. And it requires a bit of isolation. It requires time and space in your own energy. And one of the things that I did after I got fired (laughs) was that I went to Bali. I went to Bali. Um, I met my mom there. She was already there doing, um, doing some work. And so I went and met my mom and I stood on a beach in Bali. It was during Nepi, which is like their kind of New Year celebration, right? And um, there's one day where they are all silent. The entire island, no one speaks Oh wow! for 24 hours. There's no speaking. There's no lights on. It's incredible. Nobody eats. It's fasting. 24 hours of nothing. And in that 24-hour time... Like, I mean, 24 hours is a long time to go without speaking, to yeah, go without 24 seconds is a long time. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> and to really just be in your own energy with no distraction, no phone, nothing, right? And I was standing on this beach and I had this like very vivid feeling of understanding. Like it was like that feeling of, of the knowing, you know, like where it kind of clicks into place. And it was the realization that I had always assessed myself to be worthless of like, that it was never good enough. I was always striving. I was a good student. You know, I was a good student. I was always trying to jump through those hoops. Um, even though I hated authority and I hated the teachers, <laughs> I didn't want to fail. Right. Um, I associated good grades and money and all of those things with that was me proving that I was worthy, but it was this moment of recognition that like, we are all inherently worthy, regardless of what our grades are, regardless of, of what we do with our lives. We have the capacity to do anything that we want because we are all inherently worthy. And in this moment, I decided, I made a choice. It's not something that happened to me. It wasn't a divine download. It was a choice, right? To say, I will never again associate myself with being worthless. I am not worthless. And I let go of that belief, that piece of my identity. I let go of it. I I, like put it in a little flower and set it off to sea, right? And just feeling that moment in the void of the nothingness. From the nothingness, everything is created. And so on that beach in Bali, like I set the intention for more of the void. I leaned into the void and said, I'm going to even let go of even more of this so that I can make and allow more space for creation. And when I got on the plane, I flew home and ironically enough, there was no one in my row. <laughs> I mean, now looking back, it's like, you can see all the the crazy like idiosyncrasies, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was like, I was alone. You know, there was, there was no, I was on a plane, like, and there was no one in like one of those big planes. And there was like, you know, eight seats and there was nobody in my row. It was by myself. And you're flying and then, back from Bali. 
Yes. Like insane. <laughs> right. Because they're, they're making that long trip. They're going to have somebody in that plane. This yeah. is, I, I'm like fascinated. So keep, I'm, okay. Sorry. Keep going. This is like so good. <laughs> yeah. So when I got home, I, I felt different as you do. I mean, anytime you travel like that, you feel different. Right. So as I got home, I mean, I was coming home to nothing really. Like I had no job. <laughs> like I had no job. I had nothing to do. Um, and so when I came home, I was like, what, what am I going to do with myself? You know, and like feeling that feeling of the void and like the fear around the money, all of those pieces. Um, it, it was insane, right. To have such like a, that fresh slate kind of feel to it. Well, I picked up a new consulting contract that same week. Um, and that contract I was really actually excited to do and all of the pieces. And I was like, okay. And I brought my best friend on for it. Um, but then I, I met the love of my life that week, right? When I got back, um, I met him and, um, it was like this instant, like crazy connection. And I mean, we were engaged five months later. Like, I mean, he quit his job. He worked for the state of California. We didn't even live in the same city. He worked for the state of California. He gave up his like pension, you know, 401k, like his, his like, you know, big boy job, right? He was an engineer and um, quit. He quit and moved and we moved in together right away and created this kind of like whirlwind of a romance that literally felt like magic. I mean, like it was like the running joke that I like made him out of clay, like in Bali, <laughs> right? Um, but he represented everything that I wanted to feel about myself, like that feeling of, of increased standard of like valuing and loving myself. I met this match in this human being. Um, I mean, we're married now. We've been together for uh, almost four years, but um, I mean, just, just an incredible relationship. And that really helped me to see the magic, to believe in the magic, to know that when I changed the way I was thinking about and feeling about myself, that I attracted different people, not these, you know, <laughs> not the guys that were before him, right? <laughs> like, yeah. the one, like I was able to attract the one and that magic really helped me to amplify the belief because, you know, the magic doesn't work if you don't believe in it, you know? Right. And I think that, you know, when we're not in those situations or at least intentionally making that space for the magic to happen, it's, you know, we, we kind of are sidelining or, uh, you know, on one side of the fence, like, okay, there was this belief, but yet then there's also like the, surroundings or the experiences that are reinforcing those negative beliefs because mm -hmm. we're somehow going back to it where we haven't yet fully detached as you as you said like kind of distance literally and metaphorically you distance yourself from what was so you can take that time to really reflect and step into what could be and this could be is now literally the life that you had imagined and, and going out there and just being authentic and holding things that are true to your heart and soul, as you're literally attracting the clients, the, the consulting gigs and the man of your dreams, like all of this didn't just happen out of nothing. It was because you had to experience all that you knew you didn't want and throw that away to make room for all that you did want. So it's almost like this container, this capacity that we can only fill so much in it. And so when our container is full of just garbage, well, we just kind of, we push, you know, I don't know if you do in your trash can, just kind of push it in and you can squeeze in one more. Right. And so we're just jam packing <laughs> that, that garbage can. And then eventually it's just, it's going to stink and seep out. And these are all the things that we're now in a sense, like manifesting in a negative way 
just the same as it would for those that you want to attract in a positive way. And so I love this analogy that ties in everything full circle because it's like you lived on both sides. And so now fully stepping into this, this new upgraded version of Nicole, how, how does, you know, how has your life just really taken off from that point forward? And you, you mentioned this was kind of over a, a periods of time, like, you know, you've been married now for four years. What was that journey like for you? And kind of how long did it take to start getting that traction where you're like, holy crap, this, this is the deal. Like this, this is where I'm going and this is, I'm lit, I'm on fire. Uh, I mean, we went to, we went to Italy, we went to Greece, right? Um, we had this incredible trip together when we were about five, been, been together for about five months. <laughs> so it was a month long trip to Europe, which is a lot when you've only known someone for four months, right? Yeah. Um, so it was very expedient of the relationship and really also seeing like within that close proximity, just how aligned everything was. It just, it, it was so much positive reinforcement, right? Where it, it was like, it's working, it's working, it's working. And like that feeling of like, it's working even when it's challenging, it's working even when we're traveling together, right? Even when we're locked in a tiny, tiny room together in Italy, right? Like it's all, it's working. And so that belief just began to continue to magnify. Um, and so it, it's almost the feeling of like collapsed time, right? Where the time co- collapsed and you get to move forward so quickly, um, that ascension path came in. And right when we got back from um, that trip is when I fell into a Facebook ad funnel, which at the time I had no idea what a Facebook ad funnel was, (laughs) Uh, fell into one. And I joined an online coaching program that was actually teaching people how to build Facebook ads for small businesses. Because I had thought to myself with my bartender experience, I was like, well, maybe I can learn this skill set and maybe I can run ads for bars, right? Like, That was the idea. But I got into that program and in two weeks, I watched all 90 of the training videos. And then I went out and I got clients and I got six high or 10 high ticket clients in just six weeks. And so that reinforcement again, right? Of like, it's working, it's working, it's working. Now, I wasn't very good at Facebook. (laughs) Like, just wasn't good at it. And uh, so the coach in that program and like, you know, I didn't know anything about online coaching, nothing. I didn't even know this was a thing. And the coach in that program, he pulled me aside and he said, Hey, you're not very good at Facebook ads, but you are very good at getting clients. Like, can you show me how you're doing this? And I was like, yeah. And I showed him what I was doing. And he asked me to teach that same strategy to some of the other people in that program. And I did, and they all got clients. And so then he said, okay, you're just in the wrong spot. You need to learn how to be a coach. And he kind of stopped what he was doing. You know, he was running this Facebook ads course and he stopped what he was doing. He said, I'm going to turn you into the beta student for this. And I said, okay. And so he turned me into the beta student. Um, I built the Facebook group, right? Built the Facebook group and sold out the beta program. I sold 20 people into the beta. Um, And then, you know, I mean, within less than four months, I had made over $100,000. And then four months after that, I had made you know, had my first six figure month, like it was so fast in the transition. And so from that day of starting the Facebook group, 13 months later, I had made a million dollars. And so it was like that feeling of like, I mean, of course there were things that were hard, right? There was crying in the shower. Uh, you know, there was sales calls botched. (laughs) There were mistakes were made. Right. But it was also that feeling of like reward, right. Where it's like positively reinforcing every time I got back up, it was like, I got stronger and I got better. And it was like more about like building the identity and the magic became like 
I don't know, like programming myself, like how I was going to think, how I was going to operate, how I was going to help these clients. Um, like I became very like focused on it because everything else had already fallen away. Right. All of bartender land, all of my old friends and drinking and partying, my old identity wasn't there. So I was in this very blank, blank slate kind of feel and just getting to build it how how I wanted to feel every single day. I literally like feel like I built my life out of scratch, like baking a cake. Wow. Yeah. But the, and that's the truth, though. You you did. And yeah. and and sometimes we don't recognize that because we haven't literally like cleared the entire plate. Like maybe we just cleared a couple things off the counter to start that baking aspect. But you know, when you wipe that slate clean, anything is is possible. It's that white, it's that blank white page or, or blank canvas, and you get to start creating again. And so, you know, this is just incredible. I'm over here just like, wow, this is you, your story is so inspiring and so empowering for those that are listening. Like, well, if she did it, I can do it. And so how does that look like for, you know, with, with you in your online space, you know, you've worked with thousands of, of entrepreneurs in the online world to help monetize that skill set. And so that skill set is, is what you had learned or monetizing their skill set, which is what you kind of mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, you recognize some of those skill sets weren't conducive to where you wanted to be. So kind of walk us through a little bit of that so that somebody listening is like, well, what are, what are these skill sets? Like, what do I need to learn? But yet maybe it's not about what I need to learn. It's about tapping more into what I have. You know, the way I see it and the way it feels right is that I didn't go and like build myself. Right. It was like, I was already in here. Um, kind of like a big hunk of marble, right. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're thinking about creating a sculpture, like you don't, make the rock, right? The rock already exists. And then you pull away the parts that don't serve the parts that are the resistance, the things that you don't need anymore. Um, and for me, that was like defensiveness, <laughs> defensiveness and, um, a lot of like self-protection. I didn't need that anymore because I was out of that environment. So I was able to peel back the things that I, that just didn't serve me anymore. So it's really not not even shaping yourself in that way. It's letting go of the things that no longer serve you and having like the wisdom and the perspective to be able to choose what that is. Mm -hmm. I think that that's what great coaches do is they ask you questions that challenge the way that you think and feel about yourself so that you can reshape what's already there because you already have it inside of you. You already have the answers. You already have the worth. It's already there, but it's just you're applying it over here in left field when really it just needs to be shifted to the right, turn, turned a quarter, turn to the left. Inside of my program, I help you to see. I help you to build that vision of yourself and how you want to feel every day. And we start reverse engineering into that because the truth of the matter is, is that when my clients come to me, they're, they're all smart cookies, right? They're all smart cookies and they have drive. They have passion. They, they really care. They, they want to do great things. They want to have impact. It's just that they keep putting the, that square hole round peg and it just doesn't fit. I help them to find the right fit for them. And then I help them to monetize that fit. Once it clicks into place and they say, oh, there it is. I help them to build the monetization strategy around it using social media, because we have this incredible free tool that helps us to make millions of dollars in a very short amount of time. Wow. Yeah. And that's incredible. I love that. What you said, you know, it's, it's, it's extracting what you already uniquely possess and putting it in a container that fits you. So you could fill that container with all the magic that you aspire and, and want to attract. And 
once you have that kind of bottled up, that becomes your secret sauce and you're monetizing that. And so this is uh, this is just incredible because some people are listening might be like, I don't know what what that secret sauce is for me. I don't even know what my skill set is. Like, what would you say to somebody who who may be questioning? Like, I don't even know what what value I bring because maybe they're not seeing the value in themselves because maybe they had been beaten down or or maybe they're just wiped the slate slate clean and they're just like, who am I? What's next? I think it's important to recognize that like this isn't your fault, right? If you feel like you don't know what your secret sauce is, I want you to know that you've been conditioned not to know what your secret sauce is. That's what society does, right? Mm -hmm. Because if all of us knew what our secret sauce was, there would be nobody to you know, run Walmart. There would be nobody to do government jobs. No one would work at the DMV because no one's secret sauce is working at the DMV. No one. (laughs) Yes, I agree. Nobody wants to be there either. (laughs) No, it's a terrible place, right? So it's, it's not your fault that you don't know what it is. You weren't taught to see this. And so learning to see it, it's it's very simple. And the simple things to do are also the simple things not to do, right? Um, But start by writing down a list of every time in your life that you have felt even one little molecule of accomplishment, of like, I did a good job today. Um, That might be for the, like, seriously, the dumbest things, right? You can start, like, start in like little kid land. Um, maybe, you know, you did bake a cake with your mom and you felt really proud of yourself for that. And it turned out pretty good. Right. Um, you know, I was a gymnast when I was a kid. And so it's not just gymnastics that I was proud of. It was, I was very tenacious. Like I was a very tenacious gymnast and I didn't just go along to get along when the coaches would say things like I asked questions and I was the kind of gymnast that was challenging for coaches. Right. Um, I was good, but I, you know, I was not easy. And so that was something that like felt accomplished to me that I wasn't just a cheap, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's being able to look at those little tiny things. Um, one time in high school, I was a freshman, I was a freshman and I had an art teacher and I'm pretty good at art, right? I like art. And, um, there was a boy that was sitting next to me who was not good at art at all. (laughs) And we had to do this drawing. It was terrible. We had to do an upside down drawing, which is pretty challenging anyways, but we had to do an upside down drawing and his was terrible. And the teacher had given him a C and I was like, this is insane. Like not everyone is just born with the gift of drawing. And like, I stood up for him and, I, and he was like super upset. He was like an, a straight A student. Right. And I was like, I can't believe that you can, like, he did the assignment. Like just because he's not naturally gifted at art, you can't give him a C for that. And I ended up having to go to the principal's office and all of the things. And I got in trouble for it. But it was that thing where I was like, I'm the kind of person that stands up for the injustices in the world. That is an accomplishment, right? So can you pinpoint those things in your life where you generated this feeling of accomplishment and identity of who you are and then write them all down because it's not going to be this like really like obvious thing, right? The skill set that I developed that ended up turning into millions of dollars was the fact that I, I taught bartenders how to put butts in seats at their bars. Like that doesn't sound like a million dollar skill set, right? It doesn't sound special, but it was something that I was exceedingly good at. I was good at teaching bartenders how to use social media to go from making $100 a shift to $300 a shift. And that's, I mean, exactly what I do now, right? Is I help entrepreneurs to be able to see what their special skill sets are so they can put them online, showcase them to other people and go from making $3,000 a month to $30,000 a month, right? Like it's the same thing. 
but it's just an unlikely skill set that would turn into it. So start by writing out all of those accomplishments, those feelings of accomplishment. It's important that it's a feeling inside of you and not something that somebody else told you you were good at, right? I didn't tell you the story about the fact that I won the gold medal and missed Olympic trials by two spots as as a gymnast because that wasn't it. I didn't feel accomplished in that moment. I felt like a failure because I didn't make it, right? So what are the things where you felt accomplished? Because that's your roadmap. That's like little stars being pinpointed out to form the constellation that is that future self version of you. You just need a couple more stars punched out so that you can see the pattern. Right. And I love that you highlight the the word feeling because when you experience that feeling, it's a memory that you revisit. And mm-hmm. so recognizing that um, it's almost like that memory trigger recreates that memory again. And that feeling is ignited in. And so when you keep that high vibe, you're constantly going to be attracting more of, of what you want. It just clicked. <laughs> I just had to have that That's epiphany in case anyone listening is like, what, what did she just, <laughs> so that was something it, it, and I, um, you know, just in my own experiences too, when we talk about feelings like that, it's that concept of visualizing and recalling that because you have already lived it once that your body doesn't know that it's repeating the same thing. It just knows that, oh, that time I did that thing, kind of like that that lemon analogy, you know, close your eyes and think of a lemon and all of a sudden your your body just like it just did that, just saying it like gives you that sour and you kind of pucker and it's that bitterness, right? And so when you recreate those feelings of accomplishment, it sets a tone that you're in that mind space that you can continue on that path and say, okay, well, what's next? Look at how all the things that I've done. So if we're shifting our focus to the feelings of failure and negativity, lack of self-worth, demise, doom, all the stuff, well, that's exactly what we're going to keep, you know, repeating. And it's on this, this mantra real, and it's just one after another, after another. So I, I love that you brought that up. And I think that's so important. And, and even though we talk about like feelings in different case, uh, different scenarios, I love that you brought that into the business space, the entrepreneurial space, because sometimes with entrepreneurs, we get caught up in the, the vision aspect or the feeling of what it will feel like when we fill a stadium or fill the seats or get the classes, uh, you know, enroll people opting into programs or the vision of when it, the feeling of the vision of once it's completed, taking that step back and connecting the past creates the present and the future. Right. That's why we can remember our past. Right. Think about that. Like do, do animals remember the past? Ask the same way that we do. Like no, they don't because right? when when my animals make mess up and do bad things, and I have to tell them, and they're like five minutes later they do it again. I'm like, oh. yeah. <laughs> children eventually learned, but yes, <laughs> but the dogs don't. They no. still get in the trap. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> they completely forget. And we have this beautiful gift of the past because the truth is the past doesn't exist. It doesn't exist any more than the future does. The only moment that is real is the one that we are experiencing right now because the past only exists in our own heads. Mm -hmm. It's only a memory of the past and it is in fact an imperfect memory. So it's not real any more than the future is real. So if you can believe in the past, you can also believe in the future and you can connect that. It's a very circular feeling um, once you get into the energetics of using your past emotion and storing that past emotion, we can use that to hurt ourselves. We can use that to uh, make cancer, right? We can use that to be into the context of a pain and commiseration because as humans, we love to commiserate. Um, you know, we get around the water cooler, we get to the, we get to happy hour at the bar and we want to 
complain about our boss and, you know, how terrible everything is because it's a relation point. And so it makes us feel a feeling of catharsis, a feeling of belonging. If we're all suffering together, then we have affinity. So we're taught that suffering means that we belong. Mm-hmm. And so we naturally choose to suffer because we are herd animals biologically. We need each other to survive. And so breaking that really ingrained systematic feeling of commiseration, of being in that suffering, that suffrage, I mean, insert any religion here, right? It, that feeling of we need to suffer to show that we really care that space is a very difficult energy to change because it's so ingrained generationally. But when we are able to choose something different and to choose to be motivated by desire instead of the fear of avoiding pain and all of that, when we're choosing to be motivated by desire, we open all of these different opportunities. Um, It's why we're one percenters, right? Like being in the 1% is really about choosing a completely different state of mind um, that allows us to feel our feelings at a much different capacity. And the more imprint, the more emotional connection we make with those feelings of accomplishment and pride and loving ourselves and uh, the warm and fuzzies, right? Yeah. The more we choose the warm and fuzzy, the more of the warm and fuzzy that we experience. The more we choose commiseration, the more of that we experience. Yeah. So true. This is so true. And it's, uh, you know, sometimes we don't even recognize that we're, we're going down that path again, because kind of bring this full circle to the, to the beginning of this conversation was about your environment, the people that you're surrounding yourself with, um, you know, you know, you found yourself in, in the bar space where, you know, looking at your life then to now those conversations weren't happening then right? Like those, the, the environments, I mean, maybe those were like the, the wishes of those want to want to doers, but they weren't the, they weren't in a space that they can actually take that action to go out and do those things that they talk about. And I love that you brought this like, you know, full circle here as we, you know, kind of bring everything like in, in a, in conclusion, more or less of like, this is what could be possible if we are willing to let go of what we believed about our ourselves, our versions, our future at, of that version or of that individual at that, that time to being open to what could be. And if I'm not mistaken, like this is something I've experienced too, is just like when you get quiet and reflect internally, your soul knows what to do. Like it just, it's a guide. And sometimes we, with our eyes, we're using our eyes as lens to look at the, as, as these are the things that we have to do where our soul is just like, no, let me be the navigation. The eyes are just knowing the direction of where to go. They're the lamps that light the way of where to go. Um, and so this has just been an incredible conversation. I'm over here, like jotting down notes and I'm like, just engrossed in your story. And it's just really cool because I love that you, you know, you stand firmly behind those traditional ways of marketing. Um, and so you mentioned also like those pain point tactics that is part of your signature strategy, right? And so it, is that similar to what you were talking about? No, I mean, it's it's the foundation for that strategy, right? Is that this mindset of being able to be motivated by desire instead of pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marketing 101 <laughs> tells you, identify the client's pain and then yeah. stick the knife in and twist, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, make them feel so much fear, pain, anxiety, frustration that they have to buy. And that's what marketing tells you. And I'm not here to tell you that it doesn't work. It does work. But is it the highest and best way? 
Like, I certainly don't think so because I don't want to intrinsically motivate myself with the fear of failure. I want to intrinsically motivate myself with the desire of a result, the feeling of the result, right? And did you ever see that movie, Monsters, Inc.? A long time ago. Yeah. Okay. So in Monsters, in Monsters, Inc., at the end of the movie, um, they discover that while Scream has been powering the city the entire time, that laughter is like 10 times more powerful. That's the premise for catalyst marketing is that yes, pain point marketing works. I'm not here to tell you that it does. It does. Pain point marketing works in the same way that Scream powered the city, but catalyst marketing and leading with the result, leading with the desire, helping people to attach to what is possible is so much more powerful than just getting them away from the thing that they're afraid of. It is the laughter, right? And so I built the entire premise of my program based on that. I never use pain point marketing. I don't I don't tear people down to make them buy my program. I mean, it's really just counterproductive, right? If I tear you down to make you buy, then by the time you get back in there, who's the one that has to build you back up, right? And I don't have time for that. Right. <laughs> <It's> counterproductive. <laughs> Exactly. And I was almost just thinking as you were saying it, because one of the things that really resonated with me, and even from, you know, way back when, before I even got into any of the spaces, I always wondered why, and this was just my own experience from seeing other people's marketing and me being on the other side of the receiving end was like, yeah, but if I'm already in pain, why are you trying to make me recreate it by reading your processes. And now I'm just in like a double pain and then just heighten my anxiety. And I'm wondering like, but are you the one? And so then there's that fear resistance. Like, can this person deliver? Because now I'm brought back to my, like, for example, like say trauma or something of like, every time I go to bat, I fail. So why would I go to bat again? And that's going to fail. That system's going to fail. That person's going to fail. Right. So what we're almost like repeating that negative process. And I feel like that tactic of marketing had never landed with me. And that was something even in my own, in my own thought process, it's like, you know, for my marketing, it's never going to be like, Hey, can you imagine what it's like to do X, Y, and Z? It's like, no, I'm living it. Like I don't need to imagine it. And so by me imagining it, you're just opening a can of worms. And all of a sudden I'm just like, ah, you know, anxiety because I'm reading my own fear. And so I love that you take that spin and just say, Hey, you who's stuck in pain and fear and misery and whatever you're going through, what would your life be like if you were surrounded by X, Y, and Z and, and loved and kindness and words of affirmations and encouragement and all this, all pouring all the positive in you, right? You're going to be like, that's what I want. So why is marketing not on that tactic? I don't know. Whoever thought of the negative marketing is just a negative person. I don't know. (laughs) It's a very simple answer, right? The reason that it is this way is because it works. It's because people let this happen. People let people poke them in the pain points and then they buy. It's a lower standard of life. Because people are willing to lower their standards and buy out of fear and that control mechanism, they don't think for themselves. They allow themselves to be manipulated and controlled because it works. Marketers wouldn't use that tactic if people weren't susceptible to it. Right. But I watch I watch coaches get up on stages and say, I never use pain point marketing and blah, blah, blah. And then they go and buy from someone who does. And I'm like, you're perpetuating the narrative. Yeah. You're perpetuating. And and I'm not saying that it, it does or doesn't work. It was just something that that never really stuck with me as a, a, a you know, in my own space, in my own business, that I never wanted to attack those who are already 
defeated. And that's how I felt when I was defeated at a, at a low point in my life where I'm just like, yeah, sure. Buying all the things and hoping to get out of this pain point. But all it did was land me back to where I was set back financially now, because it was like, you know, when you're kind of doing a lot more damage than, like you said, if they're already damaged, then it's your job as that individual or the product or service, whatever it is to build that person up. So why would we not lead with building them up with that promise that, Hey, it's going to be a lot better over here or with this product or service, because what you're experiencing isn't working or giving you the results that you want. So it's just kind of a different angle and different position. And it's just kind of a, an aha moment for me just at this moment. Cause it was like, yeah, that was something that I recognize as a consumer and also as a marketer. Yeah. So it's this crazy. is a, yeah, been, been quite uh, insightful and eye opening here. So I appreciate these conversations because it's just, it really is just candid off the cuff, real raw and and very relatable. And so I'm, I just want to thank you for, for sharing all that because, you know, we got the highs and the lows of your journey and your story. And I love the transparency behind it all. Um, and so how can, how can individuals learn more about you and, and you're, you know, working with you or, or just following along with what you have going on? Well, everyone's welcome to come and join the Facebook group. It's called Unicorn Client Attraction Secrets for High Vibe Wonder Women. And in my world, Wonder Woman is a mindset. It's not a gender bias. So everyone is welcome. Um, but you can also check out the podcast. Uh, it's called Real Unicorns Don't Wear Pants. And <laughs> um, we explore some of these uh, some of these fun topics um, in, in some colorful ways. Awesome. Well, of course, we're going to include all that in the show notes. So be sure to check that out and definitely follow along Nicole with her journey. I mean, her stories are fascinating. And just if you're not inspired by just today's episode, like go back and listen again, because this has just been an incredible, incredible conversation. I know a lot of light bulbs turned on in my mind, and uh, I, I hope that our listeners have had some turn on as well. So thank you again, Nicole, for sharing your, your story, your insight and your wisdom. So thanks again. Thanks so much for having me. Hey there. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, please be sure to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening.